There are many people that think they got to be in those top five or six growth markets. Hell, great idea. I can't punch holes in that. But there are other people that, you know, I think I want a little bit, something a little bit different. And so there's always someone looking to invest in something that you and on the surface wouldn't ordinarily think would be the case is the case. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build multiple streams of passive income through real estate. Today, our guest is Darren Garman. And today we're talking about a few different things. Darren's been on the show before. He's a very experienced real estate investor with over 30 years of experience. He's done several thousand units of deals. He's got quite a bit of experience focused in Iowa real estate. Today, we start by learning about what helps him succeed as a real estate investor? That sounds like a fairly open question, but we talk about strategies and tactics that he uses to maximize his performance and effectiveness as a real estate investor and as a business owner. And when this conversation comes up in other forms, I feel like it takes a fairly common track. And this is a different track than that conversation usually takes. And I think you'll know what I mean as you continue to listen, all in a great way. Darren's a very experienced, helpful, knowledgeable, friendly guy, and this is a great interview. We also discuss the benefits or advantages of focusing on one real estate market to invest in. Specifically, he's focused on Eastern Iowa, which is not a market that most folks are focused on, which is actually a big advantage for him because that reduces his competition. But we also talk about the principles of focusing on one market as opposed to trying to focus on five or six markets like many folks try to do today. So great conversation. Darren's a very knowledgeable guy. We were on the line for well over an hour. You're hearing about half an hour worth of our conversation. Great conversation. You're going to learn a lot. I'm your host, Taylor Vogt. I'm a real estate investor, and I focus on commercial multifamily and self-storage properties. If you'd like to learn about investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. People see your reviews. They say, hey, this person learned something from the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Maybe I can learn something too. And they tune in and we appreciate that so, so much. And you know what? I see your reviews and I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And if you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Once again, our guest today is Darren Garman. Without any further ado, here we go. Darren, thank you so much for joining us today, for coming back on the show. For our listeners out there who somehow missed your first appearance on the show, could you tell us a bit about yourself and your background, please? Yeah. How, how could they miss that show, I Taylor? Know, it great. was like blowing it up, man. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm, I'm affectionately called by my friends, especially my multifamily friends, Uncle Darren from Iowa. So born and raised in Iowa, married, three kids, and lived here you know, all of my life. I got into the multifamily business in the early 1990s. 
1990s Taylor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as a result of quitting my job as uh, as a prison guard, and uh, discovered multifamily back then. Uh, you fast forward, heck, now a little bit over you know a little bit over thirty years now. I uh, own a little bit over eleven hundred units in eastern half of Iowa. Uh, I also am the guy that runs the company, so I oversee. You know, more from a management standpoint, you know, the employees, the maintenance folks, the management folks, the financial folks, you know, I, um, you know, they all do answer to me and I oversee the operations of the company as well and uh, enjoy it. I was excited about it back in the 90s and continue to be excited about multifamily. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. So I want to discuss a few things with you today. First off, starting with mindset and other other performance I hate to say hacks because these things aren't hacks, but other strategies you've used to continue to grow and build as a real estate investor. So let's break. Uh, let's break into that. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's a great question because I don't know how many podcasts you might watch or listen to or books you might read. This isn't a question that comes up very often. I, I don't think, but it's probably one of the most important ones that you can that you can even think about and answer, especially to yourself, because what you really discover is to be as effective as you can be at multifamily. It's not just about being good at multifamily. That's what you discover. So like for me, for decades, I thought, well, you know, the, the issues, the problems, the challenges that I have day to day, you know, that'll all go away the more units I own. Um, that'll all go away the more money I raise. You know, that'll all go away when I get that next deal done. And what you find out is that's not the case. Um, <laughs> as a matter of fact, those things tend to actually become even bigger problems. So, you, you know, a big thing to, to, I think, realize is the answer, the answer to what a lot of people are looking for in terms of, let's just say, satisfaction. Yeah. Heck yeah. Part of it is doing what you love, what you and I love, which is multifamily. But all those other areas count too. You know, those other areas in terms of how you treat yourself physically, you know, how you treat and interact with others that you love and that you care about, right? How you handle yourself as a leader, maybe in your company, maybe leader of your family in those places. So all of those things matter to how much satisfaction you ultimately have from the world of multifamily. Okay. It all counts. Um, it's not just about, you know, units under management, units under assets under management. It's not all about that. That's great. That's important. Awesome. All those other things count. And once you figure that out, by the way, I'm still trying to figure it out 30 years into it. But once you get that perspective, man, things become uh, so much more fun, so much more enjoyable and, and, and more profitable to do. Well, okay, great. So I agree. I think this conversation doesn't come up often enough, but when it does, I think the the shade or the flavor of the conversation often just turns to your morning routine or this is mm -hmm. why I didn't want to say hacks, but things that you can do more inwardly with your own behaviors that behaviors that can maybe maximize your day. But your focus here has been more again on on leadership, being the best leader, the best team member, whatever that you can in the business, but I think is a really interesting and important angle to this conversation. Yeah. So, 
you know, the interesting thing about that is the energy that you show up with is really going to equal the energy that you, it's really going to equal the results that you have. Okay. So I know that sounds kind of oversimplistic. And so the way that I show up every day with as much energy as I can is the first part of my morning is all devoted to me. Okay. So for example, I'll start out with, I'll start out with some meditation. Okay. Uh, Then I'll start reading a book that I want to get, uh, I want to get involved in more. Okay. Then I'll start to journal after that. So, you know, that process right there with just those three things probably take me about 45 minutes. Okay. But the energy now that I show up with, especially dealing with the things that we deal with in multifamily from asset management, to property management, to raising capital, all those kinds of things. It's surprising how much more effective I am as a result of just doing and going through that routine every day. And by the way, I mean, I don't take the weekends off when I do that. It's all the way through the weekend. Now, if you would add, if you would say that to me 20 years ago, Taylor, you'd say, okay, Here's what you need to do to be really effective. You need to meditate in the morning for a little while. You need to journal for a little while. You need to read for a little while. I'd say, hey, man, I don't have time. I got (laughs) shit to do, okay? I don't have time for that, okay? But as someone that's got a little more gray hair than most people now and knowing what I know in terms of the results that I've had as a result of doing it, that's that's just one example of, of showing up a little bit better with a little bit better energy by doing those three simple things that I do every day. Okay. Is there a particular example of a, a time or a, of an experience where this is a, a fairly open-ended question, but a time or experience where you didn't show up with the right energy and it kind of bit back at you or on the other side, in case something doesn't come to mind, you did show up with the right energy and you can easily credit that energy with helping you navigate the situation. Yeah. So let's start with the right energy first. I'll just give you a short answer. When you show up with the right energy, not all the time, but most of the time, things will go the way that you think they're going to go. Okay. So as you and I are talking, I just got a text on a 136 unit project that I made, we made an offer on. Okay. And I saw that text basically say that the, the offer has been accepted. Nice. Okay. Now, here's the deal. Now, I know this is going to sound a little woo-woo, okay? I knew it was going to be accepted. I knew it would. And it's not because I, I paid too much for it, okay? <laughs> That's not the reason. That's not the reason. But I knew it. So what happens is you have more things work out the way that you think they're going to work out when you show up like this. And conversely, okay, if you don't show up like this, you're more reactionary. You're more now hoping things are going to work out the way that you want to work out versus now having the clarity and the certainty that those things are going to work out the way that you want. Now, of course, does every single thing I want to work out? Of course not. But the majority of them do. And it's because of that energy I show up with. And if I don't show up with that energy, i.e. going through that routine first, first thing in the morning, I'm more, you know, hoping and wishing and just kind of grabbing for stuff versus being as effective and clear as I can be. Okay, great. I appreciate that because I think oftentimes this conversation turns a little wishful and a little maybe 
magical in that, oh, we're going to put the hope out there into the universe and it'll just happen. But no, you're saying this is really more inward. It's affecting the way that you approach these situations and that ultimately impacts your results. But it's not magical. It doesn't turn everything your direction. It just helps you approach more problems as opportunities, if you will. Well, here here's where the rubber meets the road with it because great. that that's that's a great way that, that that's a great way to analyze it. What it does is it gets you to commit the actions necessary in order to have those results that you think you should have. Right? So that energy now is the catalyst for those actions because you and I can sit around and think all day of how great things should be for us. Nothing's going to happen, <laughs> right? But right. now it's those actions that happen after going through that process. That's the catalyst. That's the catalyst right there, taking those necessary actions. Absolutely. No, I love that. I think the focus we should definitely remain on, you know, we need to remember that we need to go take the actions and, and be prepared yeah. uh, to do so. So before we move on to that, any like parting words on that aspect of our conversation? I want to keep pushing forward on showing up right. Yeah, I, w- I would just say we're all very busy. And it's very easy to think, especially us type A people, that what I just described is something, I'll just do that later, or maybe I'll do that when I'm, maybe when I'm Darren's age, I'll do that. What I'm telling you is, if you make a plan and stick with doing it, you will see the results. And I think the results will surprise most people. I love that. I love that so much. And you mentioned about if somebody had said to you 20 years ago, you need to you know, do this, you would have said, I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. And folks out there might mm-hmm. think, hey, I don't have time. But you just told me before we hit record that you're in the middle of writing your sixth book, which to me is, uh, is incredible, but you just go at it one bite at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, the sixth book, the, the title of that book is Your Inner Circle. And it's really about the people that you hang out with and pay attention to the most really have an unbelievable impact in how your life turns out, right? And that's, that's you know, fairly obvious for some folks that are, you know, watching or listening. But in terms of doing that book, you know, A, it's enjoyable. I like doing it. B, I've got, you know, over the, you know, over the years, I've got clients, friends, customers that, you know, want to know what the next installment of Darren is going to be. What are you doing now? And so, you know, that that's for them. And, and then also for the folks that, you know, are kind of brand new and, and introduced to me, I mean, these, you know, these books and the information and the content, I think, provides some really, really good value. And, you know, anytime that you can provide value and someone, and you've had this happen, someone contacts you and says, hey, I read this or I watched this or listened to this that you did. Here's what I did. Here's the results that I had. You know, when you get that, man, it's uh, it, 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 it's a great feeling. Definitely a great feeling. So, I mean, those are the reasons why I like to do it. And uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's fun. Sometimes, you know, you kind of wonder, God, you know, is anybody going to read this thing? But but people do. And if you provide value with good content, man, it it, it it can pay off, especially for the people that do take the time to read it. I love that. That's great. So now, uh, forging ahead, I wanted to shift our conversation and and talk about how you've focused your investing on one particular geography right near you. And this comes up frequently with newer investors who are maybe going on bigger pockets and asking, hey, how can I focus on like five or six markets, quote unquote, focus on five or six markets, mm-hmm. but you really honed in, you're focusing on 
Eastern Iowa. And I'd like to talk about how you landed on that, how you've managed to stay focused and not get distracted by so many other markets. I mean, there's a big conversation around that, but first let's start about why you decided to focus on your local area. Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll answer it. And and I think this will be an answer to probably a lot of people that have that question of, okay, should I focus on these three markets? I mean, like you, I got somebody that actually um, sent me an email over the weekend, you know, these are growth markets, which one? Here's the deal. Most of us aren't that good. Okay. (laughs) So most of us aren't that good to be focusing on five or six markets. We're just not that good. And we just don't have that much time to effectively really, really hit that many markets, especially of some size, and really do a good job, not only for us, but if we're working with other investors raising capital, you know, you got that too. And so I knew that when I got into the real estate business. So I knew, hey, I don't have the time, I don't have the resources, and I'm just not that good at these five big metro markets and making connections and doing all those kinds of things. So where can I make the most effective start? Where can I start? Okay. And then based on going down that road and starting, I can make any kind of adjustments I want. And I chose my own backyard, Eastern Iowa, because it afforded me a faster start. Okay. And not surprisingly, most people that start in their, I'll call it own backyards. They know the market fairly well. They know places you probably would want to own versus maybe places you, you may want to avoid. You maybe have an idea of what what maybe the, the political structure might be in terms of how the market feels about landlords versus tenants. And so <laughs> you know a lot of things based on your own market. So for most people, I would say that's kind of the place to at least get started all right, start building that foundation. And it doesn't have to be a foundation that's 100 feet tall, but start building that foundation. And then you start getting that foundation built. You start building those kinds of habits by going through that process in that market. And now you got a choice to make. So my choice was once I got that skill set, I think that foundation fairly set, I decided to stay in my own marketplace and and be the go-to guy there. Okay. But you can do that, or now you can take that skill set and some of those some of those things that you've you've kind of got that that built that foundation. And now you can go to other places. So that's a long way of saying, a we're not all we're not good we're not that good where we can focus on five markets, especially if we've never put a deal together before and we're just getting started. It's a big waste of time, my opinion. Versus start in a place that you know you're familiar with and at least get the ball rolling start building the foundation, then make any kinds of adjustments that you think you may want to make. Okay, great. I think one of the things that trips people up is they want to invest in a, for want of a better word or phrase, they want to invest in a a sexy market. You know, A few years ago, Mm -hmm. 2016 to maybe around 2020, DFW was where everybody wanted to invest. Now that got expensive and people kind of branched out, but when you think, no offense to Iowa, I've been to Iowa, it's very nice, very nice people. But when you think Iowa, you don't think sexy real estate investing market. I mean, maybe I'm it's wrong. It's the most boring place there is, Taylor. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Definitely. So, One, if, if it's not, it's in the top three. So wait a minute, Taylor, you're telling me, you're telling me if, if we made a list 
of the top real estate markets that you should invest in? Are you telling me, Taylor, that the top five, I was not in it? I can't believe it. I, can't I know. Believe it. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just don't know why. That. You've already cornered all the market there. But... <laughs> You know, how, how do you how do you kind of square with that? That yeah, you know the market really well, but say you're talking to an investor and they're like, "But Iowa, man, what's going on in Iowa? Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah." So here's the interesting thing: everybody's got their own opinion and their own opinion of value on where their investment should be. Okay, so mm-hmm. this what I'm going to tell you actually happened the end of last week. One of my investment partners lives in California. And had some questions with for me regarding latest profit loss. And, you know, just wasn't really understanding some of the things of the profit loss and in some of our balance sheet reporting. And so I wanted to make sure that they understood what was going on. So we're having this conversation about, you know, reading these reports correctly. And here's what she said to me. She said, you know, Darren, the reason why we invested in Iowa is because we felt that our money, that our money was protected and insulated. And we knew that that wasn't the kind of market that was going to be giving us big, huge, giant jumps in value. I mean, we're not going to invest a hundred grand with you or 200 grand with you. And it's going to be 500, $600,000 in three and a half years. We knew that going in, that's the main reason why we decided we wanted to be teamed up with you. Okay. So that's just an example everybody's got their idea of where value is. There are many people that think they got to be in those top five or six growth markets. Hell, great idea. I can't punch holes in that. But there are other people that, you know, I think I want a little bit, something a little bit different. And so there's always someone looking to invest in something that you on the surface wouldn't ordinarily think would be the case is the case. And of course, I was poking fun at you in terms of Iowa. Of course, I know all that. (laughs) You know, I know how boring it is. But see, here's the interesting thing. A lot of people like boring. A lot of people find that a benefit to them. And so they they, they, they choose to, you know, have some of their money invested, invested in Iowa versus some of those other places where I can't argue that some of those other places aren't good places to go either, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I think Warren Buffett has talked about you know investing should be boring, and you know the best deals are boring, and and all that kind of thing. Now, I do wonder how do you, at least in my mind, so this is a lot of this is my perception, right? I can't count myself as knowledgeable on the economy in in Iowa, really. But when I think about Iowan uh, economics, I think a lot of heavy agriculture, right? A, a lot of farms and so on and so forth, and everything associated with that. How do you think about that? economic concentration on agriculture and the, the associated risk, quote unquote, if, if you perceive a risk related to that? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. So here's like, here's like the top three, let's just say, economic drivers in the state of Iowa. Okay. So number one, spot on, Taylor, agriculture, number one. Number two, insurance. So Iowa is, if it's not number one, it's close to the number one domiciled. It's not the insurance capital of the US, but it's really, really close. So, so yeah, so you've got insurance. And then oddly enough, number three is healthcare. Mm-hmm. Healthcare. With the hospitals, especially with their associated with universities, healthcare is number three. And then you can get off into companies still related to agriculture, like the General Mills of the world, the Quaker Oats of the world, those kinds of things. 
And so, so admittedly, when I first got into real estate multifamily, and I told you, I decided the easiest place for me to at least build my foundation was locally. I got to admit to you, I did zero analysis on the economic viability of everything I just said. Okay. I just <laughs> wanted enough. to kind of get started, right? But what I what I have found, not because I knew this was the case 30 years ago, I promise that. What I found is those three or four sectors that I've mentioned have chugged along just fine. Chugged along just fine. Again, not, you know. The price of grain has gone up 700% in the last 30 years. It'd be nice. Believe me, the farmers would love that too. That's not been the case. But each one of those sectors I mentioned have had some really good growth, kind of predictable growth, I guess you could say, over the years. And so it's been, it's been good in terms of, again, it's a double-edged sword. On one side of that sword, you've got that predictability of those things. On the other hand, does it prevent us from having you know, huge returns and maybe, especially in an economy like we've had maybe two to three years, over the last two or three years. Yeah, it, it kind of does. It, it, it is kind of a trade-off, definitely. So I do, uh, now that we're discussing this, I'm thinking that maybe when we think about economic diversity versus concentration, we maybe need to also consider what is it concentrated in? And by that, I mean, okay, maybe you're heavy, heavily concentrated in, in agriculture, but it's agriculture and we all need to eat. Whereas mm-hmm. there are markets that are heavily concentrated in unprofitable tech companies that are just seeking to, to IPO, which is ultimately going to be more unstable in uncertain economic times than, than agriculture, at least you'd kind of expect that. And we've, we've seen that over time with booms and busts in tech versus agriculture, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. That's a great point. Hmm. Well, Hey, you know, say no more. All right. Great. Right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Darren, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show, but you've been on the show before you've answered those questions. I've got three new ones for you and our returning guests. Are you ready? Let's do it. Great. First one, what is your favorite book, whether for business or personal enjoyment reasons? Great question. The best book to read, especially for us real estate folks too, is a book written in the 70s. Okay, I got to go back a few years. And the name of that book is Winning Through Intimidation by Robert Ringer. Winning Through Intimidation. That's a new uh, one. That is, that is one of the best books anybody in the real estate world should read, but also from uh, you know getting some things out of it outside of real estate, it, it's definitely a must read. Interesting. Okay. Winning through intimidation. I've honestly not heard of that one most of the yeah. time. Now, let me, let me book. say one thing, interrupt you mm-hmm. just to make sure. Cause when I tell people that they're like, is it a book about intimidating people? <laughs> it isn't. It's actually a book on how not to be 
And it tracks the progress of a guy that started out as a mortgage broker for multifamily properties and then started selling multifamily developments across the Midwest and the Eastern part of the United States. The guy went from being dead broke to flying around in a Learjet towards the end of his career and selling these things. But the lessons in that book apply today just as equally as they applied 40 years ago, 50, geez, 50 years ago now. Wow. I love that. I'm going to have to put that one on my, uh, on my list and pick up a copy. So we had your favorite book. That's an interesting one. That's a new one. I haven't actually heard of that one. I'm going to have to check it out. Now we move on to the next question. What is an indispensable tool, technology, strategy, or other component of your business that you just could not live without? It'd have to be my contact management software, contact management. I'm not, I'm not an organized guy, Taylor. I'm not organized, okay? <laughs> I, I, if, if, if I would bring my wife onto this podcast, she would tell you at great length exactly how <laughs> disorganized I am. And so I use, um, I use a, a pretty good CRM that I like, and it keeps me, keeps, keeps me organized, man. So yeah, and that's, you know, when I think about what I use and look at probably every day, that'd be at the contact management software. Which one do you use? Uh, it's called eye contact, hmm. eye contact. And yet, you know, these, now I'm not a software expert, but it's one of those that's blended, not only a CRM, but also can do the things with, if anybody wants to send emails to customers or clients, you know, they, you want to get information on your podcast out to people. So there's a lot of different avenues and branches off of eye contact. And it's one that I've used and I've, I love it, man. It's great. 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 My uh, the final question here for our returning guests is where is someone, somewhere you're excited to go next year, 2023, whether to a real estate conference or maybe you're traveling for fun? Oh, well, Cabo San Lucas, man. Cabo <laughs> San Lucas. So I go to probably three, two or three real estate conferences a year and you know, probably personal development ones, probably at least two or three of those. And those are always good and they're very solid. And I could talk about those, but you know, the Cabo trip for my wife and I happens first week of December. So it's a great way for us to really connect, look back on the previous year, where we were, what we've done, what we've accomplished, and frankly, maybe some things that you know we really need to do and spend some time in a great location, having those kind of discussions and connecting and you know, getting ready and amped up for, you know, for another good year. Awesome. That's great. Well, Darren, it's been great reconnecting with you and thank you for sharing all these lessons with our listeners. If anybody wants to reach out and get in touch or learn more about you or, Hey, find any of your books or anything like that, where can they track you down? The best place would be my website in terms of all things that I've got going on. And I'll give you that address and I'll spell it because there's a GPS company with a similar sounding name that I've got. And sometimes it's confusing. So it's darrengarman.com and it's spelled D-A-R-I-N-G-A-R-M-A-N.com, darrengarman.com. By the way, those books are there. They're free to download if people want to download those and other pretty good resources too if they want to check things out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us 
rank higher in the Apple podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.